This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where just about every politician in sight is condemning the Cuban government's crackdown on protesters and expressing solidarity with the people of Cuba. Senator Marco Rubio is warning this could be the next Mariel Boatlift. The next Speaker of the Florida House says he does not see the need for any immediate action by the legislature to address the condo collapse in Surfside. Paul Renner says the code works. He says the problem here appears to have been the condo association. You know, basically a breach of fiduciary duty on the part of the board members in the case that occurred in Surfside, where there it was known that there were these issues that were looming in a decision, it appears from initial reports, uh, not to move forward with an assessment to fix it. Renner also warned against seeking legislative remedies before the actual cause of the disaster has been determined. The governor hits the road to announce $30 million worth of grants for some of the least populated areas of the state. They're called Small City Community Development Block Grants. These grants can only be awarded to cities with a population of less than 50,000 or in a county with an unincorporated population less than 200,000. That money will pay for everything from sidewalks and sewers to downtown revitalizations. A couple of online betting platforms have ponied up $20 million to bankroll an amendment to the state constitution that would legalize sports gambling. Starting next month, Carnival Cruise Line says anyone who wants to set sail from one of the ships from a Florida port will have to be vaccinated or buy a special travel insurance policy to cover any COVID-related expenses. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the story of a Florida man accused of trying to smuggle crystal meth into the Orange County Jail by concealing it in his foreskin. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, July 13th. This is National French Fry Day, National Cow Day, which goes pretty good with fries, and Embrace Your Geekness Day. Plus, you hear a lot about disgruntled workers, but today is Gruntled Workers Day. It was founded to celebrate all the good things about your job. On this date in 1863, white mobs that opposed the Civil War draft went on a rampage in Manhattan. It turned into a race riot as they began lynching blacks. The official death toll is 120. Historians say there may have been as many as 1,000. In 1923, the Hollywood sign was officially dedicated in the hills above Los Angeles. The original sign was Hollywood Land, but the last four letters were dropped after renovation in 1949. In 1943, the greatest tank battle in history ended as the Soviets defeated the Nazis at Kursk, destroying 2,900 German tanks. In 1967, race riots broke out in Newark, New Jersey. 26 people died, hundreds were injured. And on this date in 1978, an American baker by the name of Walter Painish completed a 129-mile swim from Havana, Cuba to Little Duck Key, a small island in the lower Florida Keys. It took him 33 hours, and he did it to celebrate his 65th birthday. In the aftermath of Sunday's demonstrations by thousands of Cubans who took to the streets to protest the communist dictatorship's authoritarian regime and the brutal crackdown that followed, almost every politician in Florida has issued some sort of statement to the effect that they stand with the people of Cuba and condemn the government. Senator Marco Rubio went one step further, warning that Cuban officials will probably encourage mass migration to the U.S. in response to the protests calling for an end to the dictatorship. Rubio posted a tweet saying the regime in Cuba will now threaten that a Mariel-style crisis is inevitable if the U.S doesn't stop encouraging protests. Rubio went on to say that the U.S. should not keep into blackmail, and the president must warn them that encouraging mass migration will be considered a hostile action against the United States. 
As the investigation continues in the deadly condo collapse at Surfside, the next Speaker of the Florida House of Representatives says lawmakers do not need to make any immediate changes to state building codes. Republican Representative Paul Renner of Palm Coast says the codes didn't fail. He points the finger of blame at the Condo Association at Champlain Tower South because they knew there was a problem and delayed making repairs. It's important that we gather all the facts and certainly we don't want to leave anything off the table. It will be something uh, I assure you that we're going to look at and address and determine whether the, the solutions uh, are, are legislative or whether they're uh, an issue of, um, um, you know, basically a breach of fiduciary duty on the part of the board members in the case that occurred in Surfside where there it was known that there were these issues that were looming in a decision, it appears from initial reports, uh, not to move forward with an assessment to fix it. Obviously, every board member of every entity has a fiduciary duty. And so we'll take a look at that. If we need to strengthen that and make that clear, we can certainly do that. But we'll look at the facts, uh, try to determine why this happened. And I think it's important oftentimes that we uh, align the solutions to the actual problem that occurs. Sometimes we, we fix things with solutions that don't address the underlying problem. And so we'll get all the facts, find out what, you know, what could have been done uh, earlier um, to, to stop that from happening so that those repairs could have been made. But it appears obvious from the, the reports that I've seen that there was um, at least at some point a conscious effort not to address needed repairs. And so uh, how we handle that is something we will, we will look at uh, during the upcoming legislative session. As I said, we won't leave anything off the table. We'll consider everything. Renner's reluctance to alter the state building codes is similar to the sentiments expressed by the governor last week when Ron DeSantis said he wasn't ready to propose any changes in state oversight of aging high-rise condos. And the same goes for officials in Broward. An advisory board for the county concluded Monday that any changes in the building code should wait until the cause of the Surfside collapse is determined. Now, the board of directors at Champlain Towers has been trying to get residents to agree to expensive assessments to address the structural issues because, well, the building was about to undergo a state-required recertification. It was 40 years old. It would have cost each condo owner anywhere from $80,000 to $336,000, depending on the size and location of their unit. Now, the age of Champlain Towers is not unique. The South Florida Sun-Sentinel reports there are almost 1,500 condo or apartment complexes in Broward and Palm Beach counties with more than 100 units, and almost half of them are 40 or older. During his Zoom conference with reporters, Representative Renner was also asked if the state is doing enough to respond to the surge in COVID cases of the Delta variant, which has doubled in the past month. Dr. Anthony Fauci says more than 99% of the people who died from COVID-related causes in June were unvaccinated. And Renner says your best bet is to get the shots. If you haven't been vaccinated already, um, I, I would want to know why. Um, there's certainly plenty of vaccine available, and I think we need to continue to um, go on the course we've gone on. I think we had a successful uh, vaccination program here in Florida. And, and so, look, um, we are going to have to deal with uh, COVID as we've dealt, dealt with other uh, things that have come to this country in the past and, and do so smartly. But what we've learned in Florida is you can do both. Um, the idea that if there's any presence of COVID that we've got to shut things down again is is just not a, a path that, that I would want to see us take, and I don't think most Floridians do, but it also doesn't mean you ignore it. And so I think what we demonstrated during the height of COVID 
is that you can keep the economy open, you can keep people's lives going, you can keep children learning and still be smart about not gathering in crowds or, or continuing to test as needed, doing the things that are necessary. And I think we've all learned to wash our hands and not touch our face and you know, practice the kind of good habits that are good habits with or without COVID. They're good habits to avoid the flu and they're good habits to avoid the next um, virus that may come to our shores. And so we need to continue doing that and continue monitoring it. But I don't think the right course of action is to is to go back into uh, lockdown mode, but to simply uh, realize that, you know, we're not done until we're done and continue to balance um, the two things that we have to balance, which is fighting a pandemic and continuing to, to live and continuing to uh, keep our economy and our lives going in the process. Florida's vaccination rates are about the same as the national average, but Democrats have been urging the governor to do more public outreach to encourage vaccinations. People like Ron DeSantis can make a big difference there because a lot of the vaccine hesitancy comes from Trump supporters. But the governor had other things on his mind Monday, the government's version of Christmas in July. DeSantis had the chance to play Santa Claus as he traveled to Green Cove Springs to announce almost $30 million in grants for cities and counties with some of the fewest residents. $29 million in grants to 42 small and rural communities throughout the state under the Florida Small Cities Community Development Block Grant Program, and that includes $700,000 right here for the city of Green Cove Springs. And so this money will allow the city of Green Cove to do three neighborhood revitalization improvement projects. Uh, First, uh, be able to use to replace a stormwater pipe that is more than 50 years old and install sidewalk, curb, asphalt, and landscape on West Street. Second, the funding will be used to install nearly 1.5 miles of sidewalk on Highland Avenue and Center Street. And then finally, the funding will be used to install picnic tables and benches uh, at Vera Francis Park. So this program, these grants, can only be awarded to cities with a population of less than 50,000 or in a county with an unincorporated population less than 200,000. And so with today's announcement, since I became governor, uh, we've awarded nearly $60 million in block grants to small cities and to rural communities across the state. Some of the other projects funded by the Small Cities Community Development Block Grants include $700,000 to upgrade a wastewater treatment plant in Bowling Green, $650,000 to revitalize downtown Carabelle, $700,000 to improve parks and playgrounds in Dade City, $750,000 to revitalize the downtown commercial district in Lake City, and $700,000 to replace an asbestos and cement water main in Lake Placid. Two major online platforms have contributed $20 million to an effort to legalize sports betting in Florida and, at the same time, knock the legs out from under the governor's new gaming compact with the Seminole Tribe. DraftKings and FanDuel each donated $10 million to a political committee called Florida Education Champions. The committee has drawn up a constitutional amendment to legalize sports betting, with the state's cut being set aside for education. Under the Seminole Compact, all sports betting in Florida would be routed through servers on tribal land. The compact is already being challenged in court, and even supporters of the deal admit there are serious legal issues with using the tribe to, in effect, launder those bets. If you're taking a trip with Carnival Cruise Lines from a Florida port next month, you'll have to be vaccinated or purchase special travel insurance that covers the cost of COVID-19. 
Carnival currently requires passengers to be vaccinated. However, there's a Florida law that says they cannot require proof of vaccination. So the cruise line decided to allow exemptions for unvaccinated passengers if they agree to extra testing and, in the case of Florida, travel insurance that covers at least $10,000 worth of medical expenses and $30,000 for emergency medical evacuation expenses. Your calendar of events begins at 9 in the morning with a meeting of the Suwannee River Water Management District in Alachua. The Revenue Estimating Conference also meets at 9. They'll talk about unclaimed property abandoned by Floridians that is now in the possession of the state. The Board of the St. John's River Water Management District meets at 10 in Palatka. And committees of Citizens Property Insurance Corporation meet at 1 in Orlando in preparation for Wednesday's full board meeting. Finally today, a Florida man named Shaft is accused of trying to smuggle crystal meth into the Orange County Jail by concealing four rocks in his foreskin. His full name is Shaft Bang Adams, and he was released on bond after the meth penis incident back in May. Then last month, Shaft was stopped in an area known for drug deals, and a deputy found cocaine residue on his cell phone. That led to another search, and this time they found a bag of cocaine in one of his socks. It's almost like Florida man was channeling the drill instructor from Full Metal Jacket. Drop your cocks and grab your socks. Shaft's bond was revoked after his most recent drug arrest. He has a rap sheet dating back to 1992 for drug and battery charges, which is quite an accomplishment for a guy who's only 30 years old. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. (laughs) 